0: When I think of the table, and we have a table in our sanctuary, it's actually the only piece of furniture that's required in the church of Jesus Christ. You've got to have something to put the ordinance on. And so through all these generations, people like me who grew up in church with pastors as dads have helped drag the table in and out, scoot it around, put it here and there, take care of the table. The table is a unique piece of furniture Unlike a pew, the table turns you face-to-face. It puts you elbow-to-elbow, face-to-face, side-by-side. It encourages conversation. It's what happens at a family. I remember our family table very vividly. The two-by-twelves that Dad used to build two benches on either side so his big family, I have 12 siblings, his big family could sit there at the table and when dad started singing come and dine we'd all come to the table dad was always the host at the table dad was in charge we didn't start eating till dad said eat and dad asked somebody to pray and often it was one of us who were older children but it could have been any one of us he'd just call on us to pray and offer thanks at the table and then we'd eat and we did eat quickly uh, when there are that many siblings, you want to get all the food you can as fast as you can. If you hesitate at all, you're lost. So, uh, I still eat like a house of fire. <laughs> you're invited to a banquet. It's the marriage supper of the Lamb. Just like you have a room in God's mansion with your name on it, you have a place setting At this banquet with your name there. One day you'll walk into the room in heaven. And it will be filled with people. Speaking every language known to man. Dressed in the garb of the generations and the nations. And you will see the diversity of the family that God has gathered together through his son Jesus. You will look for your place at the table. It will be designated for you. You will not control who sits to your right or to your left. That's up to God. This is his table and he is the host. The table in heaven is symbolized in a sense by the table right here in the middle of our fellowship today. And this table is about more than just the bread and the cup. It's about the family that gathers around it, you and me. And you will see in the text I'm about to read that Paul uses family language to describe the church. He calls them brothers and sisters. I'm in Romans chapter one, let's just read that text. Starting with verse one. I'm gonna be preaching from this text for the next five weeks on the theme, Belong, Find Your Place at the Table. It's good for anybody who's trusted Jesus as Savior, who's making a new commitment, as I know some of you are, to being part of weekly worship in 2016, to being an active part of a church, some of you getting back to what you used to do. Some of you are seeking to return to what you used to do. I hope you made a commitment already, as a living sacrifice, presenting your life unto God. But here is the way that you plug in, and it is a grace way, all right? So, the scripture says here, therefore, and the word therefore is important. You always ought to ask, what's that therefore, all right? And it points back to chapter 11 and a lot of previous discussion that the apostles had about the grace of God in our salvation. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters There are two, paragraph, or two verses, a paragraph of text, that would be good to commit to memory, as I did years ago in the King James Version. Learn it by heart so you've got it close, because it's a, it's a plea by the apostle to the people of God, to the brothers and sisters in the church, and it is a description of your reasonable act of worship. And it is also a hint of what the will of God is for you and the way to discover God's good, pleasing, and perfect will right here in this paragraph that I've just read. The first thing you notice about it is that we are responding to God's mercy in our worship. Therefore, in view of God's mercy. And it's actually plural. The many mercies of God, in view of God's mercy, we worship. So today we are responding to the mercy of God, that's why we're here. The apostle has described the mercy of God at great length in the letter already. He's talked about how all of us are sinners in need of a savior, and that's a fundamental truth that we rehearse often at First Baptist New Orleans, and it shows up all the time in the Scripture that we are sinners in need of a Savior. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Apostle Paul has already described the penalty for that sin. The wages of sin is death. What sin earns us is separation from God, so our condition is desperate, and we know that when we think about it. Sometimes we're desperate in our own heart, spiritually. And it is sin that creates the desperation. And then the Apostle Paul describes in the book of Romans how when we were sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrated his love in this way. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. And this is the heart of the good news. And this is God's wonderful mercy and grace and so the apostle in the previous chapter chapter 10 says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead you will be saved you will be rescued we respond to this mercy of God by sitting here in this pew worshiping God this is an act this is a moment of response. We have not initiated the relationship with God. He has. He has done the surprising and amazing, unthinkable thing. He loved you and me so much he gave his one and only son. Who does that? God does that. And in response to this wonderful, amazing love and grace of God, we worship him. Our worship is a response to the prior activity of God. He created us, he created all things. Everything belongs to him. He sent his son Jesus to save us in response to this grace, in response to this mercy, we come. When we use the word grace, we're talking about the unearned favor of God. We are saved by the unearned favor of God. When we use the word mercy, we're acknowledging that judgment should have fallen on us, but it didn't. Mercy is the suspension of that judgment. The judgment of God fell upon Christ. His body was broken. His blood was shed. Why? Why did Jesus die? He died on our behalf to pay the penalty of our sin. That's what the scripture says. The penalty for our sin fell upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So, we who gather here today are responding to the wonderful mercy of God by gathering in this place with a full heart and offering it unto God. If you think about it, from the very first time that you began to go to church, study the scriptures, and understand who Jesus is, you've been responding to God. Your earliest worship experience where you did something was a response to God. I remember it well. I was a little boy. When I kneeled down here just a moment ago, by the way, I was surrounded by children. The children came and knelt all around me. Jameson was on my right, I remember that, but I saw other little people around me, and that's great. Little people respond to the grace and mercy of God. I did when I was a boy. I was sitting in a hard wooden pew, no pad. All the church was wooden. It was a little... Christian and Missionary Alliance Church in Holly, Minnesota, where I remember my first worship experience in the church, in the body, with the brothers and sisters. And I responded in that worship, and I went to the front, just like we did a moment ago, and I prayed as a six- or seven-year-old boy at the front of the church. There wasn't a lot of things that I knew at that time, but I knew that God loved me, and God made me, and I was responding to the grace of God in that act of worship as a child. And that's what worship is. Worship is not basically you getting information. It's not really the heart of it. Worship is you acknowledging all that God has done for you and in gratitude and thanksgiving, humility and praise, giving him the honor and glory do his name. So, respond to God's mercy in 2016 by worshiping him. Now, we say at First Baptist, we worship with our lives. And we just sang Tim's words about worshiping him with our hands and with our feet. And so, worship is also making an offering. And it has been that way for all these generations. People would come to the house of worship grateful for what God had done in his previous activity, knowing they are responding to the grace of God, and they would make an offering. The priests would make a sin offering in ancient Israel. They would slaughter an animal. And that blood would be sprinkled on the altar. And that animal was a substitute in a way for the human beings. It was a way of acknowledging that the penalty of sin was falling upon humans. And so they would bring this sacrifice unto God, the sin offering. And then they had a grain offering. And periodically the people of God would come to the house of worship and they would bring their grain offering. The grain offering was a portion of the harvest they got that year. They were people who were part of an agrarian society. They grew crops. They had flocks. And the grain offering was a tithe unto the Lord, an offering unto God of what he had given them. And so their offering, their grain offering, was an acknowledgment that all the grain they had in their harvest came from God. Everything belonged to him. The cattle on a thousand hills were his. And here is my grain offering, which acknowledges and affirms that, God, you are the owner of everything, and I am a steward of that, and this is my offering unto you, acknowledging that. They also had a peace offering or a thanksgiving offering, a praise offering that they brought before the Lord. This had to do with relationship and fellowship and gratitude unto God for all that he had done. We already have in our church a sin offering. There was one offering for sin. Jesus offered himself, there's no other need, for a sin offering. He offered himself what we celebrated this morning is an acknowledgement that Jesus died on our behalf and this offering is sufficient. Not only for our sin, but for the sin of the entire world. God's Son and our Savior died upon the cross bearing our burden of sin and paid the penalty for us. This is how we come before the Father boldly. So we have acknowledged the sin offering already this morning given by Jesus in his death upon the cross. We also have a grain offering that we're going to have at the end of the service which we do every Sunday, we have an opportunity to bring a portion of that which God has blessed us with, acknowledging that all of it is His. That, too, is part of worship. But the offering that the apostle is referring to here, I beg you, therefore, I entreat you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God. That sounds to me, like the peace offering. It's you coming before God, presenting to him all that you have in gratitude and love, expressing your fellowship with him and connecting to him as you come into this room, as you come before him in worship. It is you laying down your life for him. What is an acceptable offering unto God after all? If we're going to worship him, what is acceptable? The scripture says here, this is an acceptable offering. And it is your reasonable service unto God. Present your body a living sacrifice. Everything about you, all that you are, laid on the altar, holding nothing back. Consciously giving all that you know of yourself to all that you know of God as an act of worship on this first Sunday of the new year. That's what worship really is. You giving all that you have in response to God who gave his son, who laid down his life for us. This is worship. Me responding to God's mercy Making my offering of my heart, my life, my hands, my feet, my mouth. That God might use me up for his glory in this new year. Have you ever had a moment in your life when you laid it all down? Has that ever happened to you? Where you just just laid it all down? (laughs) Go back to that moment. And think God let me do it again it's the start of this new year the first worship service in our church let me give it all again help me surrender everything again you've cu- accumulated so many things since the last time you did this your house is full you have renewed relationships new possibilities new opportunities they're yours why not today lay it all down again as an act of sacrifice unto the Lord, a living offering unto Him. It's how you renew your mind, all right? Because worship is also about renewing your mind. The Scripture says that we are not to be conformed to this world, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think about what it would mean for you to lay down your life as a living sacrifice today and completely reorient your life around God, His Word, your love for Him, His love for you. To surrender everything to Him as an act of worship, how that would renew your mind, how you would think differently If you were to reorganize all of your priorities based on the love of God for you and your commitment unto Christ as Lord. That's really what the renewal of the mind is about. It's about reorienting your life so that you are centered in God once again. Reorganizing your priorities so that your priorities reflect the priorities of God the Father and Christ the Son. So that the Lord Jesus and his life, his path, is reflected in who you are, how you talk, and what you do. And you think, well, I just don't know how you can do that. Well, that's the call of discipleship. Jesus is still saying, follow me. He's still saying, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. It's still an all-in kind of call that God gives I remember as a teenager experiencing that kind of event in my life where where I felt and heard the call of God on my life. And I said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want to. It was a full surrender of my life unto him as best I could, surrendering what I was to who I knew him to be. And it was transformational. It was the renewing of my mind. It was a different way to think, a different way to live. It's what Jesus intends to happen in every person present as we lay our lives before him as a living sacrifice. To renew the mind. And then to discover God's will. Some of you came today hoping to discover God's will. You are trying to make a decision And you want to know what the will of God is. And you've been praying about it and seeking for it. And let me just say this to you. God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. Just like it's described right here. It is fundamentally good because God is wholly, completely good. God is good. He is light. In Him is no darkness at all. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That is great news. If God is not good, we are all in trouble. Amen. So God's will is good good for you. Even if it's painful. Even if it's difficult. And some of you right now know what God's will is and you've been resisting it. And you know it's God's will for you to do something and you haven't done it. God's will for you is good. And it is pleasing. Especially it pleases Him. When His will is received and worked out in your life and it is perfect it has no flaws in it his will for you grows you up matures you turns you into the person you were made to be and he's calling you to be that's what worship is worship is you responding to god's mercy Worship is you making an offering of your life unto God. Worship is you renewing your mind in the moment of his presence so that you see things again from his perspective. Worship is you proving and affirming the good and perfect will of God. Bow with me, please. those of you who are praying for God's will in certain matters on this first Sunday of the new year I know there are many would you pray that what you know of God's will you will do it in every aspect of your life this is what it means to be a living sacrifice and as you bow before the Lord of glory to surrender every aspect of your life to say Lord I want your will in my relationships in my dating life in my personal finance in my health in my thought life in my attitudes in my habits would you seek the will of God in every aspect of your life and determine to do what you know to be his will and then would you pray that he would reveal his will in the thing in the matter that is at hand, in the choice you have to make, the direction you need to go. Lord, we come before you acknowledging you as God. I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would speak to those who are struggling on this first Sunday of the year with what to do, what direction to take. Decisions must be made that you would clarify your direction and guidance for them in this moment of worship. And most of all, God, that you would help us do what you're entreating us to do, present our bodies a living sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray.